Welcome to Into the Blue, a weekly look behind the scenes of the Tampa Bay Lightning with reporters Gabby Shirley and Chris Cran. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Into the Blue. I'm Gabby Shirley sitting beside Chris Cran. And as Chris just said, this is episode seven, lucky number seven. Lucky number seven, back in the same room with Gabby. Chemistry is high, vibes are high, everything's ready to go. Probably going to be the best episode yet. Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. And we're starting off with a theme, the theme for the week, giving thanks. Thanksgiving. Chris, which one of these Thanksgiving topics should we begin with? Let's start with Thanksgiving traditions. Do you have any Thanksgiving traditions? I actually don't think I really have a great answer for this one, (laughs) but Chris, and maybe you can say the same. This goes along with our profession, Um, being in local news for forever before joining the Tampa Bay Lightning. And even with the Lightning, although I believe we were home for Thanksgiving last year. However, I'm always working, typically, on Thanksgiving. I don't really mind. I love Thanksgiving, but it is not my favorite holiday. Christmas is my favorite holiday. But, Chris, I will summarize my past few Thanksgivings, with the exception of last year, um, with I was typically in a TV studio, um, local news, eating Boston Market, (laughs) which was so generous of them to bring in, but just not really how you envision your Thanksgiving meal. Mm -hmm. Have you heard the Boston Market mac and cheese? And I feel like mac and cheese wasn't a part of it. Oh, yeah. See, their mac and cheese is actually really good. Probably a decade, but... (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I thought, were you working like afternoons in news? So it was around dinner time that you would be there or? Well, it was typically like a normal day shift. So if you're done at five or six, you still kind of miss the Thanksgiving meal. And I'm not from here. So I didn't have anyone really waiting Mm -hmm. for me. (laughs) So no traditions. That's it. Yeah, I got no traditions. Go Mm -hmm. ahead. Your turn. Mine is turning NFL football on at my house and getting yelled at by my mom because she hates having the TV on during you Thanksgiving. Told me this. Mm-hmm. No TV allowed for whatever reason. Like we're all sitting in the same room. Can't just have the football game on. Even if there's no volume, my mom is not about anything being on the TV, but do it every year anyway. And we actually do have one tradition. We always watch um, Christmas Vacation after we all eat dinner to kind of get ready for the Christmas season. My family loves that movie. Great movie. And I'm on the same uh, page as you. Christmas is my favorite holiday. So it just sets the scene gets everything going. We got the decorations up on Water Street, got the lights. We love it on our walk back to the garage after the games. Um, but those are the two traditions we have. What is your favorite Thanksgiving wait, wait, wait. dish? Sorry, we're, I'm still stuck on mom what? not allowing football. <laughs> is it because she really wants the conversation mm-hmm. to flow? That's that's literally it. She just thinks that it's too, it's too much of a distraction, I guess, for all 20 people that are at Well, yeah, you have a huge house. family. Yeah, so it's I don't understand. I mean, I think football just brings everyone together. It's a good conversation piece. Talk about the game. It's going to get turned on anyway, and I'm going to get yelled at. But it is what it is. It's just like you said, it's a tradition. I still haven't met Karen Kren, but I really would like to. Oh, he just revealed my mom's a Karen on the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) She's the best. I love you, mom. Okay, next topic. You pick it. Favorite Thanksgiving dish. Ooh, again, wrote these topics, didn't actually think of answers, uh, but I can give you one. Favorite Thanksgiving dish. I have the worst sweet tooth, Chris, so I would probably have to say Mm. the sweet potatoes with like the melted marshmallows on top. Candied sweet potatoes, Mm -hmm. I believe is what they're called. Not much of a sweet potato guy myself, but I will say mine is mashed potatoes and gravy. So I'm with you on potatoes, at least. I love mashed potatoes and gravy. My mom, again, back to my mom, she puts like two sticks of butter in everything that she makes. So So potatoes are always great. Um, So yeah, both, both potato people, I guess. 
Okay, we got some uh, quick, great Thanksgiving debate questions here. Mm-hmm. First one, does macaroni and cheese have a spot on the Thanksgiving table? I know your answer already. Well, yeah, my answer is yes. What is yours? I feel like we never had it. Mm-hmm. My and family actually never has it either. It's kind of a disappointment because I love mac and cheese. I love mac and cheese, yeah. And it like it fits the theme to me. It should be out there, but... Um, yeah, my family never has it. I might have to make some this year. A little buffalo chicken mac and cheese. Whoa. Mm-hmm. Love that. That goes with the football theme. Your mom's going to hate it. Yeah, she is. That's <laughs> probably why we don't have it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Do you love or hate cranberry sauce? I'm out on cranberry sauce. Oh, I love it. <laughs> I don't I don't have a problem with people who like it. I think a lot of people like it. Um, it's just not my cup of tea. I will say I still like the stuff that comes in a can, which is probably just awful for you, but... I've gotten this like freshly made cranberry sauce um, from, I want to say like Fresh Market. I don't even know. Is that around here? It's a grocery store. Um, And it's delicious. I eat it all year round. Okay. Which pie is the better pie, pumpkin or apple? I'm going to guess that your answer is apple pie. I don't really love pies, but yes, apple Mm -hmm. is the one. Mine's pumpkin. I like pumpkin pie. Oh my God. I can take like a bite of it and I love pumpkin everything, but Mm -hmm. it's just like, a lot. It's a lot. Of pumpkin. Yeah, it's a lot. And my mom, Chris, makes it homemade back in the day when I did have a Thanksgiving tradition. Um, she still does, but I just never get to enjoy it. But she makes it homemade, like homemade crust. She rolls out the crust and like cuts a design, like a leaf wow. or a pumpkin or something so artistic to put in the wow. middle. It is so delicious, but I just don't love pumpkin pie. That's okay. I understand. It is. It's literally just the crust and then just a mountain of like pumpkin yeah. spread, whatever that stuff is. So I get it. It is a lot. If I don't eat the whole piece, my mom does the homemade thing too. And she'll just get so offended if I don't eat it. So <laughs> I've just grown to love it. <laughs> Gosh, mom's the star of the show already. Seriously. All right. Moving on to some Tampa Bay Lightning hockey. Chris, back-to-back wins after a three-game losing streak for the Bolts. Let's get started on... I don't know. Where do you want to start? Should we start with the Chicago game? Yeah, I like that. You want to get going? Or do you want me oh, to Oh, wait. Go? The Chicago loss or the Chicago win? I, let, I mean, we might as well start with a win, right? Talk yeah. about the back-to-back wins. Let's forget those losses. No one wants to hear about losing. I like it. 4-2 win at Chicago. Braden Point scores on the power play after seven scoreless periods. Mm. Well, actually, Chris, you might have to dive more into the game. I'm already jumping to post-game that John Cooper said he thought that was the turning point. The Lightning, they... Typically, don't need any help scoring goals. But they had a little bit of a tough run there. But yes, once Braden Point got that goal, um, a beautiful pass from Hedman into the center of the ice, Point finishes. I think that that really got the team rolling. Yeah, it was like basically the exact same goal that Chicago scored in the first period, almost identical. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I think that that was the turning point. Just felt like the whole group could just take a collective sigh of relief and just we finally scored. Um, And like you said, that doesn't happen often with them. So I think just getting that one into the net really opened the floodgates up for them a little bit and then Sergachev gets his first goal of the year which was great to see we've been waiting on him to to score that first goal and I thought that was another just kind of a weight off your shoulders kind of goal like I think he needed that and um, you know he played really well in that game and then it kind of carried over into the Edmonton game as well Um, but I thought another big turning point in that one was Perry scoring started the third period to tie the game and you're thinking like, oh my gosh, like, are we doing this again? Like, here we go again. And then Lightning didn't allow another shot on goal until there was 127 left in the game. So only two shots on goal against in the third. They dominated the third period, really took control and didn't let 
um, you know, just that, I guess that doubt creep into their game a little bit. So it was good to see them play really hard in the third period. Hedman gets the go-ahead goal. Hagel, empty net goal, always plays well against Chicago. Always. Um, so that was just great to see them get a win on the road. And they needed a win. And we talked about it before. Like, I think during the season, there's always these little moments throughout the year. There are these tests. Um, and that felt like a big one. Like, they, that was a team that they should beat. They needed a win really bad. And I thought they played really well for the majority of the game. So good for them to get a road win, get things back on track, and mainly just get the scoring going again because that's what was lacking in, in those two games before, obviously. And that rolls into the game against the Edmonton Oilers here at Amelie Arena. 6-4 to four victory for the Tampa Bay Lightning. And, Chris, that was a game the Lightning never had the lead until the third period, but they stuck with it. Yeah, they did. And, I mean, three, I think three separate comebacks down by two. You know, they come back and tie it, then they go down again, come back and tie it. So just that resiliency to, again, the mental side of things, not get down on themselves and feel sorry for themselves. I think Cooper said after the game that may have been a game earlier in the year that they would have lost um, or maybe gotten to overtime and then lost it there. Um, But so, yeah, for them to keep pushing back and responding after a lot of goals that felt like, man, this could go the wrong way in a hurry almost. You know, just they, they kept losing the lead or kept going behind again. Um, I thought Kucherov was excellent. Janot, really nice play all around there with Sergeyev finding AC Mont, and then his finish was was a really nice goal. And that Stamkos power play goal right after uh, the Bouchard goal, I think that was that was huge. I mean, they had that just barely little abbreviated power play there, the passing between Kucherov and Point, and then Kuch to find Stamkos. So you could Stamkos's face after he scored, you're just like, "Woo, that was a beautiful play." I mean, that's like unstoppable. So. Really nice watching that chemistry. Obviously, the penalty kill was huge, five for five, without without Anthony Sorelli against, you know, one of the best power plays going around the league and a really tough power play to defend. You remember last year talking to Cooper said it's so tough because they don't necessarily have a, a set structure. Like, guys are kind of just allowed to roam and go wherever they want to go. Um, so I thought the penalty kill was a big, big part of that game, particularly the one late in the third period. Um, and that was, you know, like I said, the Stamkos power play goal, um, these are like the two best power plays in the NHL over the past decade, it feels like. So um, the Lightning were, were the better team on special teams. And I thought that was great. It was really impressive to see their penalty kill do so well. Um, and it just feels like they're starting to gain some mental strength. You know, I think earlier in the year when they go behind in some of these games, you, you wonder if they'd be able to pull through. But now they, you know, you want them to feel like they can win every game. And I, I felt like you could kind of feel that in the Edmonton game. They played pretty well. Um, so yeah, just a, a pretty good game overall. Would, would like to see maybe a few less goals go in. You need to tighten up there still, but you take the points when you get them. Absolutely. And Chris, we cannot forget that game winning goal scored by Luke Glendening with the assist mm-hmm. from Cole Kepke in his first NHL game since November 29th of last year. I was really, really excited that he was a part of that play. It was a great pass and a great finish by Glendening. So two guys that were on the score sheet for that game-winning goal that typically aren't in that position. So I thought, again, that was just a positive sign for this team. Yeah, and good on Cole Kepke. I mean, he made a great play. It was a really nice pass. Glenn Denning, great finish too, as you said. Um, but just, you know, we've seen a lot this year. The Lightning give up those back-to-back goals um, and and kind of fall into that hole. So for them to get back-to-back goals, to take the lead, thought it was huge. And, and again, good on Kepke. Like, you know, Walteri Merrill is a guy that me and you both really like and mm-hmm. thought he played well when, when he's been up, and I think he'll probably be up again at some point. But, you know, Kepke comes in, he gets a point in his first game, and it was a great play. So I'm sure he's been itching to be back up, and, and good to see that for him. Hopefully he can keep playing well. Moving on to 
Dun, da, 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 da. Chris, we're recording this on the Monday before Thanksgiving, but when this gets released on Tuesday, we're two days away from Thanksgiving, and that correlates with the return of Andre Vasilevsky, his timeline. We've been told again and again, hopefully sometime between Thanksgiving Day and December 1st, seven games in between those two days with, I'm sorry, seven days, four games in between those two days. So give me your thoughts on his return. Oh, well, I think that he will just bring a little bit of, you know, not that the team needs life, but I think he'll bring even more life to the team. Just it's so exciting that he's getting close and the team plays so confident in front of him. And we've talked a lot about the goaltending the Lightning have got has been pretty good up to this point with Johansson and Tompkins. Um, But I think just having Vassy back there, just his presence and his ability to make those really big saves um, is just going to be huge. I mean, he's one of the best goalies in the world, if not the best. Most wins in the NHL since 16-17. Best save percentage in the NHL since then. Tied for 12th all-time in playoff wins. I mean, you can go on and on about his stats and just how, how impressive he is. And I think he's looked good in practice. He seems really excited to come back. And, um... You know, it's just, it's just exciting. Like, I think that the Lightning right now, uh, at this point in the season, before the Boston game, uh, are we 18 games in, right? Yes. 18 games in, 20 points. Last season, 18 games in, they had 23 points. So only three points behind the pace from last year. And we've said this before on this podcast, but, you know, if you look at that, from the start of the season, knowing you're not going to have Vassy and you're going in with Johansson, a guy that did not have a lot of NHL experience, I think most fans would take um, where the Lightning are at right now. It's been kind of weird the way they've gotten to this point. There's mm-hmm. been some shaky moments for sure, but in the grand scheme of things, I think Lightning fans should be pretty happy. Yeah, they're still in it for sure. Back to that three-game losing streak, Chris. I wrote down some quotes. Um, we talked to Victor Hedman following that third straight loss against St. Louis. And, I mean, we all know he's a veteran leader on this team, but his quotes really stuck with me. Most importantly, this one being, you have to embrace the challenges and be grateful that you have the opportunity to turn it around. Mm -hmm. Yes, you can say he's putting a a positive spin on just some really tough games for the Bolts, but, I mean, it's so true. They're not out of it yet. They're only going to get better with Andre Vasilevsky coming back. And, Chris, I haven't necessarily had this concern, but I've been hearing it um, amongst other media members. The question that... Okay, so the Lightning are building here, but will this team take a breath and or take a step back now that they know, okay, our guy, our main guy's back in net, like we're good? Do you think that that should be a concern for the fans? Maybe a little bit. I mean, I think it's human nature. Like, you know, you're getting, as I said, probably the best goalie in the world back. Um, so it, it would be easy to kind of, you know, feel like, okay, we have this guy. He can make make big saves and bail us out. But, you know, I think everyone is obviously aware that that, all the players are aware that they they can't do that. They can't do that, right? Yeah. That there's that can't happen. Um, so, like I said, I think it's human nature that maybe there will be a little bit of that, but you know they know they need to play well in front of him. And and this team has always stressed the importance of getting points early in the season. And we're coming up on twenty five percent of the way through the year already, which is um, crazy. It really is. And they just, you know, they need to keep playing well. And and I think once Vassy comes back, they need to even step their game up a little bit more. Um, and we talked about hopefully when he comes back, they'll kind of have that D-zone system down. I think they're still figuring it out a little bit, but it's definitely better than it was at the start of the mm-hmm. year. Um, but, you know, I, I just think we've talked about this as well, but Vassy just, he needed, I think he needed the physical rest, obviously. He's played more than anyone. Um, but we talked about it last week too. The mental rest, I think, is just huge for him. Like, 
being a goalie, as I said before, it's so much weight is on your shoulders, especially in playoff games, those big moments. Like you're, you know, if you mess up, it's everything's on you almost, it looks like. So you can't make mistakes. And it's just such a high pressure position, probably the highest pressure on the team, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and he talked about, you know, being mentally exhausted. I think the group in general after the Colorado series, after last year against Toronto. Um, so I think him just having some time to rest up and, and get ready is going to be really, really big for him. And I think him watching games, not being able to play, has really fueled him. And talking to him, it sounds like that. Like, he's really excited to get back out there and make an impact for his team. I'm so excited to see him in that. It's going to be soon. All right. We're going to go to the Blue Line segment where we answer your questions. Just a reminder for everyone, you can call in and leave us a voicemail. The number is 813-301-6749. Again, 813-301-6749. So our first question, which we got on X, is from B2B, back-to-back, Bolts exclamation point. Why do our guys, especially point, get kicked out of the face-off circle so often? <laughs> it does seem like it happens kind of, kind of <laughs> a frequently. Great question. I am um, not sure of the answer. Chris, help it, us out. It is a really good question. So there's, there's a lot of different things that go into face-offs, and um, some of it is not even on the center. So um, if, you know, you line up for the face-off and one of your wingers kind of starts, you know, the guys like to creep in a little bit. Um, (laughs) If a guy encroaches and and goes in before the puck is dropped, you know, that's one face-off violation where the the linesman can kick the center out. So even if it's not the center doing anything wrong, um, he can get kicked out for his winger coming in. Uh, There's also situations where, if you're not lined up in time, you, they, they technically say once the linesman, I believe, is at the circle, you have five seconds to line up and be ready. Okay. Um, so if you're kind of, you know, directing traffic a little bit and talking to the guys and maybe stalling a little bit, that's one way you can get kicked out. So we've seen guys get kicked out of the face-off circle before they even put their stick down. Um, there's also certain places you have to have your skates. Those lines uh, near the face-off dot, you have to have your skates behind or on that line. So you can't be, like, pushing your skate forward. Uh, so that's another one. There's also um, guys that have to put their – if you're the defending player, the, the defending center, you have to put your stick down first, and then the other guy puts his stick down. If you're at center ice, then it's the away team has to put their stick down first. Um, so there's a lot of different things. Like you can't – if you're the center and you make con- – if you kind of go to cheat a little bit and you make contact with the other player, you're kicked out that way. Uh, one thing – I read that I actually didn't know this, but if you ice the puck and then you go in to take the face off, you can't get kicked out. Apparently, according to the rule book, you can't get kicked out of the face off circle. So we've seen at times where. Did you consult the rule book? I consulted the rule book. Oh, he was also guy, watching film today. Watching some he film. He is all over it. Um, but so like if you, after an icing, if you have a face off violation, we see the ref sometimes do like that one more kind of motion. So they won't kick you out. But then if you have another face off violation, that's where you get that. I want to say it's a delay of game penalty for a face off violation. And that was one of the things that we saw an emphasis on, I think, two seasons ago where they were calling that a lot. Um, they don't call it as much now. I think they, they give guys a little bit of leeway. But there's a lot of different things that can go into getting kicked out of a draw. And a lot of the time it's not even on the center. Um, and all of it is obviously the linesman, the linesman kind of has the judgment call on some of that too. And that's why you kind of see guys complaining a lot uh, (laughs) when that happens. But again, there's a lot of different things that go into it, but uh, so it's not necessarily always on the center. Now, Chris, one more thing I'm going to throw at you. Obviously Mm. it probably is dependent upon the game, where we are in the game, the score of the game, but 
how crazy will it make a team if they're quote unquote face off specialist or their main guy they want taking the face off is thrown out? Like, is it just uh, okay, we got to move on or does that really tear teams up? I mean, I guess it would depend a little bit on the situation and who's on the ice. Like we see the lightning doing the, you know, like Paul and Stamkos on the same line mm -hmm. and depending on where the face off is, uh, it depends on like if it's on the left side, you know, I think Paul will take it. If it's on the right, Stamkos will take it, that kind of thing. But, um, I think it's just guys will complain if they feel like they shouldn't get kicked out. It feels like guys complain regardless, but that's fair. Um, yeah, it's, it's tough to say, but I, I haven't noticed point specifically getting kicked out of the face off circle a lot. It seems like guys are getting kicked out like, all the time. Yeah. It's almost like every face off. It feels like so it's point. Just drop the puck. Like, just drop the puck. <laughs> just drop the puck. All right. The next question from B2B bolts exclamation point, Chris. Okay, Gabby, this is your question. B2B Bolts says, I know it was Palat's goal song, but why do the Lightning play Sweet Caroline at Amelie Arena? And in quotes, they said that Boston-centric. Mm -hmm. um, and I did consult our in-game presentation crew to make sure I was correct in my assumption here. Obviously, they played it for Palat when he scored a goal. But yes, he's not here anymore. So first and foremost, it's not played at every game, which doesn't really phase me because I actually really like the song, but it's not played at every game. And as I thought, it is, quote unquote, a fantastic sing-along song. That's what I was told. That is why it is sticking around. Yes, it has ties to Boston. I was told that they play that every game for the Boston Red Sox. I did not know that. Um, but also, I went to Penn State and they played it at every Penn State football game. So I just feel like it's a great song that gets the crowd, gets the crowd going. And... Um, when the Lightning play the Boston Bruins on Monday night, I feel that they will not play it because it does have ties to Boston, but you never know. Maybe if the Lightning are winning big, they might toss it in there. We'll see. It is a great sing-along song. There's a lot of those, though, like Country Roads we've been hearing mm -hmm. at times. What is the, what's the country song that they play a lot? I'm, I'm putting you on the spot. but I'm not going to know it. I'm awful. I could probably sing you every word once you told me it. You would know it. It's, uh, <laughs> I can't remember off the top of my head, but it's everyone always sings along to it. See, I miss these moments because I'm stuck back in the tunnel. Yeah, I can't remember. I'm going to have to come back to that. All right, let us know if you think of it. Mm -hmm. um, okay, then we have one from NHL Jax. Any advice for folks who want to work in hockey who didn't start in the sports industry earlier in their career? Chris? Yeah, I mean, I, I get asked this question a lot, and I think the biggest thing for me is, like, today's day and age is so much is surrounded, or so much is on the internet, I guess, for lack of a better term, and there's, there's so many different ways to break into this industry. I think my advice for, for someone who hasn't necessarily had the experience is just depending on what you want to do, if you want to be in a role like me, I would just say, right, you know, you can essentially create your own website and your own platform for free right now in this day and age. And even if you're not going to the games as a credentialed media member, you can still watch the games. You can hear all the post-game comments and, you know, you'd be able to write that way. And for me, when I got into this role, um, or really when I got my internship here years ago, one thing that really impressed uh, the people that I interviewed with was I came with writing samples and it wasn't any huge publication or anything I was writing for. It was just, um, I think, the willingness to to write and, and show the more you write, just the more you'll improve. And, you know, whether it's writing or whether it's, um, you know, you see people all the time like create YouTube channels and cover sports that way. So there's a lot of things you can do by yourself um, that really won't cost you a lot of money. Um, so I think just kind of creating a body of work a little bit. 
uh, is the main thing that, that I would suggest and just stay at it. You have to be consistent. And if you're going to do something, really, really dive into it. And, and again, make, just make sure you're staying consistent with it. And, um, you know, if you do that, I think there's a good chance an opportunity will come. A lot of times uh, the, that first opportunity could be low paying or maybe even free work, but that's sometimes what you have to do to break into the industry. And I think it's just about having that initiative and, and showing that strong work ethic. Chris, I agree with you 100%. I literally wrote down, you need to do whatever it takes at any level to gain experience. So as you said, you can do a lot of things that might not cost you a lot of money. Totally true. They just might cost you some time. You just have to get out there, whatever uh, particular, whether it's writing or reporting or photography, just do that wherever you can. Um, The example that I would give looking back on my career, I was involved in a little bit of sports reporting before I got this job here in Tampa, but I wanted to do more. And I actually worked for an arena football team out of Lakeland. Not the most glamorous job. Um, A little bit silly, if you will. I remember I was like the sideline reporter. I remember our quote unquote star player like was late to the game because he got stuck in traffic. Like that's what we were dealing with. But they would, a break in the game, they would come to me and I was expected to give a report. So again, as um, I say silly, but as informal, I don't know if that's the appropriate term, but as that was, I certainly gained experience on, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, okay, I got to know what's going on in the game. I got to know how to fit this report in, make sure I have a report to start with. And oddly enough, I feel like that helped me at the next level, which is yeah. here. Yeah, I'm sure it did. Also, I remember the song. Sorry, it's uh, Friends in Low Places, Garth Brooks. Ah, yes. A really classic. good sing-along song. Yeah, a classic. I like that one. Better than Sweet Caroline, in my opinion. Ooh, mm-hmm. hot take. All right. That's a good segue into our plus-minus segments. Ooh. I never know who goes first, Chris. Do you know? You're first. Ooh, okay. My plus. This is a great one. I'm just smiling thinking about it. Oh, I'm nervous. We had Kids Day at Anley Arena this past week. And I had the pleasure of doing a little in-game hit on the team portraits that were done Mm. by a second grade class from Chester Taylor Elementary School in Pasco County. Our good friend and coworker, Mikey O'Halloran, his girlfriend, (laughs) is the teacher of that class, Abby Heath. So I gave her a call and she gave me the lowdown on how this process went. So she has two second grade classes, 36 students all together. She said she passed out headshots of our players as well as head coach John Cooper and a blank piece of paper and said, all right, guys, get to work. She said they took it very seriously, Chris, some even going up to the window to try to trace the outline wow. of said player or perhaps the head coach. I thought that was very smart. Um, just again, some details that she shared. They were very specific and or detailed with like the the hair the facial, facial hair. Mm-hmm. Um, also, one of her students had Luke Lundenning and was sure to draw him missing a tooth, which I thought <laughs> was great. Uh, but my favorite story, which again, I shared in an in-game hit in the middle of the game on the Valley broadcast, um, was that another one of her students grabbed the headshot of John Cooper and was exclaiming that he wanted to draw the president. (laughs) And obviously he drew that conclusion because John Cooper was the only one in the group wearing a suit. And I thought that that was just hilarious. Cooper has a little bit of a presidential look to him, (laughs) right? Yeah, I think it fits. So um, that was my plus of the week. I love that. 
Shout out to our junior reporter, Augie. She wasn't here for Kids Day, but oh, kind of yes. a, a similar tie in there. Augie was great. Gave Chris Cooper had a, a shout out. hard question. So yeah, she was, uh, she was awesome. But I'm going to make my plus the lightning penalty kill, mostly based off of the game against the Oilers, a five for five performance on the penalty kill without Anthony Sorelli in the lineup. Sorelli leading the lightning in shorthanded time on ice this season among forwards. Um, and that's a big piece missing from their penalty kill. And as we know, Edmonton has had one of the best power plays over the past decade, really. But over these past five years or so with, with McDavid and Dreisaitl, and we've heard the Lightning talk over the years just about how difficult it is to defend their power play because at times they really don't even have necessarily a set structure to it. And they kind of let McDavid and Dreisaitl and those guys free roam around the offensive zone a little bit and, and go wherever they want to go. And for the Lightning to, you know, they probably took more penalties than they would have liked in that game, but a power play that good to be able to to kill off, you know, five in a row, um, I think that really just says something about the way their penalty kill has played this season. And again, to do it without Sorelli, their top penalty kill guy pretty much, you know, when he's on that pair with Hagel, um, it was just a gutsy performance. And I think the biggest one obviously came in the third period there when there was about five minutes left in the game and that's just such a good power play. So for them to be able to to kind of bear down there in a big moment of the game, you know, we've seen at times this year where in those big moments, the Lightning have, have struggled at times and, and given up leads and given up those big goals. So, you know, I think for them to, as I said, just bear down there on the penalty kill and, and kill that one off in a really big moment of the game was a huge step for them. We know the penalty kill has been really good all year, but um, for them to do it in that moment, in that game, with the way things had kind of been going, I thought that was huge. And the penalty kill just deserves a lot of credit for everything they've done this year. And again, to do it without Sorelli and to do it in the big moment of the game, um, I think that was huge. So I'll give the penalty kill my plus for the week. All right. To the minus. I've been anxiously awaiting your minus. Uh, again, guys, I was struggling with my minus this week. It was, it was just a great, it was a great week. Nothing really... Nothing was really getting under my skin until <laughs> Monday morning. So, also, Chris, you're grouped oh. into this. I'm looking at you. Guys, you can't see him right now, but he's got the worst mustache on his face. <laughs> so, my minus, mustaches for the month of November. Oh, my God. <laughs> wow. It's a terrible thing. I don't like it. And I'm going to add to this again. My minus came to me this morning. My husband woke up at a crazy time of the morning. I think it was 5 a.m., 5.30. I was still sleeping. Um, our dog, Rosie, was being a pain. She needed to go outside. So he was up, couldn't fall back to sleep. So he was up, moving around, doing stuff. At some point, he woke me up still too early just to show me his new freshly shaven mustache. Love that. At, that he created himself at, you know, 5.30 this morning. So I didn't really like it. Um, these mustaches come out mostly for Movember, Chris, right? Mm -hmm. You're mm -hmm. raising awareness for men's health issues, which I think mm -hmm. is great. But my husband, for example, is saying Movember, but he just got a mustache on, you know, the <laughs> 20th of November. What's today's date? Yeah. Yep. So I just don't like it. And um, I also need to clarify, we have a good friend, Pat, mm -hmm. that rocks a mustache like all year long. And I'm not talking about Pat. Pat looks great in a mustache. It's his thing. But the people <laughs> like yourself, Christopher, that have a mustache for 
30 days of the year. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm over it. Get that thing off your face. I'm ready for it to come off my face. I do it every year. <laughs> Actually, I didn't do it last year, but I typically do it. Yeah, it's terrible. See, there's not even any dedication here. There's, I mean, it's just- Are you I, raising money? Are you hosting events? Are no. you going for a run? No. Yeah, not doing any see, of that. It's just raising awareness. Um, it looks terrible. <laughs> like I look really, really creepy. I, I feel, yeah, it's not a good look, but I have to participate. It's just raising awareness and oh pretty much everyone has told me it looks terrible, but okay. we're staying strong. We only got 10 days left. So, Ugh. All right, your turn. Okay. My minus, this minus may ruffle some feathers. Chris has only been debating over which mm -hmm. minus to go with for days, hours. He spent hours today going through his <laughs> minus trying to pick hours. the right one. I don't know if, uh, yeah, I was just very nervous to do this one because I don't want people to get <laughs> the wrong nervous. impression of me. My minus We is, might have to redo this segment if it's so bad. Keep going. No, you, I think you'll like this. My minus is tipping, tip culture <laughs> in the United States. <laughs> I'm so sick of going anywhere <laughs> and someone flipping an iPad in my face and saying, oh, just gonna ask you a few questions. And at, like, I have to tip anywhere I go now. Why tipping culture has gotten out of control. And I will say, I, I find myself to be a good tipper when I go to restaurants or to a bar, anything that, you know, is standard. Uh, if, so, if I get something delivered to me, I'm a good tipper. So I don't want people to think that I just, I don't tip, but I'm so sick of going places and being expected to tip when it's just someone doing their job. And if someone goes above and beyond and gives great service, um, I'm more than happy to give a tip. But there's just, it's gotten, it's gone too far. Too many places. I'm getting this iPad flipped in my face and saying <laughs> there's a few questions. We all know what the question is. It's, do you want a tip? And some of these places, like the tip percentage thing, like the, the lowest one shown will be like 20%. And it's like, like, for example, I went to um, Bole and Brandon. I don't think you've been there yet. Mm -mm. Um, but it's, it's basically Chipotle. And like, they want a tip. They want a tip. And I'm like, you're just doing, this is what you're supposed to do. This is your job. And again, if you, if you give me exceptional service, like I'm happy to give you a tip, but there's just too many places asking for tips now that it's completely unnecessary. Like I went to, this is another crazy one. I went and did, <laughs> I went and did pottery and like you go, you pick out what you want. You, you're you, doing all the work. Yeah. You do all the work. You pick out what you want. You go get all the paint, you sit down, you paint it. The person working there does nothing other than put the thing in the oven or wherever it goes. I don't know. Whenever. The oven's doing the work. The oven does all the work. They just have to place it. I don't even know if it's an oven that this thing goes into, but like I went there and it's already expensive. And then I'm getting asked to tip after that. I'm like, what? I just don't understand. So I don't want to sound cheap. I'm a good tipper when it's necessary, but this has gone too far. We all need to come together, make a stand tipping. It's gone too far. Stop it with the iPad. Stop it with, I have a few questions. Unless it's a donation for something, I'll take that question. 99% of the time, the question is, do you want to tip me for doing my job? You know, Chris, I can't argue with you. Thank you. Um, the one that sticks out to me, and they've been doing it, I feel like, for years now, is Starbucks. Yes. Where even, I mean, I guess it doesn't matter if you go through the drive-thru or in the store, but they ask for a tip, specifically drive-thru. And the only thing I'll say, Chris, I'm not arguing with you, but sometimes I tip just if I'm in a particularly good mood. Oh, I mean, I've been caught doing it several times. I feel the pressure. The worst is I when shouldn't. someone flips the thing and they're like, oh, just a couple questions for you. And then they're standing six inches from you, like watching you closely. <laughs> and I'm then like, you okay, tip well, 50%. Great. So yeah, now I'm tipping 85% and I don't know why I came to this establishment, but yeah, let's all, let's all rise up. Uh, I think everyone's a little frustrated with this issue. If we come together, I think we can stop it. I like it. <laughs>
All right. Oh, my gosh. We are moving on to our final segment. We are five minutes over. Sorry, guys. Um, the question corner. Christopher, do you need to read yes. some rules and regulations to Time participate in my, said contest? My weekly disclaimer read. By the way, I just want to say for everyone who has given me nonsense about my bucks minus being lazy I hope that you lazy. appreciated that minus because I gave everything for that one. Chowda. It was lazy. Here we go. Question corner. Each Tuesday morning, as the Into the Blue podcast drops, we are giving you a chance to win an autographed puck from a Lightning player. In the show, we'll give you a question that we asked a player in the locker room. You have until Sunday night to get your guess in as to what their answer was by responding to our post on X from the Lightning Audio Network account at Bolts Radio. Or emailing bolts into the blue at gmail.com. We will pick one winner at random from all the correct entries. No purchase or payment necessary. Restrictions apply. Visit entrytampabaylightning.com forward slash into the blue for full rules, prize description, odds, and other info. Void where prohibited. <laughs> Take a breath. All <sighs> right. So the old question. If Tanner Janot could only enjoy one dessert for the rest of his life, what would it be? And the answer is? It would probably be like a uh, chocolate lava cake with a little bit of vanilla ice cream. And the winner is? <laughs> Nobody. <laughs> we did not have anyone guess chocolate lava cake with a little bit of ice cream. And yes, that's a tough answer. But if anyone even mm -hmm. said chocolate cake, we would have given you a puck. Mm -hmm. We got a red velvet cake, which was close. We got close. an ice cream, which was close. But, I mean, come on. It's not close enough. And I just got to say, what a great answer. Chocolate lava cake with ice cream. Such a good dessert. I love that answer. Now, I don't dislike the answer, but I cannot remember the last time I've had chocolate lava cake. I feel like that is only a restaurant dessert. That's a chili special. <laughs> a chili special. When is the last time you've been to Chili's? It's been a long time. Um but I kind of like chilies. I, I, we used to go there in high school a lot. But that is that not like a, the most chilies dessert ever? Yeah, I agree with that. Is Tanner Janot a chilies guy? Ooh, we're going to have to ask him. <laughs> Great dessert, though. The new question, Chris. Want to want to read this one for our listeners? Yeah, sure. So we we did a Thanksgiving theme question this Obviously. week. Obviously. Um, so we spoke with Nick Perbix. And the question is, if there is one non-traditional food that you could permanently add to the Thanksgiving menu, what would it be? So basically, you know, you have your Thanksgiving regulars, your turkey, your stuffing, your mashed potatoes. So we asked Nick Perbix if there was a food that, you know, really isn't served on Thanksgiving, a non-traditional food, what would you want added to the Thanksgiving menu? Do you have an answer for this, Chris? Oh, put me on the spot. What about you? I am. Um... I think I said applesauce when we asked him the other day. Yeah, what a weird answer that I was. I just love it. And I feel like it's like fall related. It kind of is. <laughs> yeah, some of the apples, like apple So cider. it really just, I feel like it really goes in there. Although it doesn't have to necessarily align with the theme. Yeah, I don't really have an answer. Boneless wings. I really like boneless wings. So <laughs> I can eat that at any time. You're ridiculous. And on that note, I think we're out. We're out. Follow Lightning Radio on social media at Bolts Radio. And don't forget to hit subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you never miss an episode of Into the Blue.